Uh, before I want to start, I just want to say thank you to everyone who prayed for me this week. It definitely felt God's power and peace while I was preparing. Um, so have you ever heard the story about Mr. Jones who dies and goes to heaven? When he arrives, Peter is waiting to take him on a tour. Mr. Jones is awestruck. The streets are paved with gold. Beautiful mansions are glistening in the sun. Partway through their tour, Mr. Jones notices a warehouse with no windows and just one door. What an odd structure for heaven. You don't really want to see what's in there, says Peter. But I do, I do. He rushes across the lawn, pushes open the door, and discovers rows and rows of shelving units stacked floor to ceiling with white boxes. Each one of these boxes has a name on it. Is there one with my name on it? Says Mr. Jones. He rushes to the J aisle, finds his box, rips it open. His mouth drops, his pulse. What are all these wonderful things inside my box? Are they good things in store for me now that I've reached heaven? Hmm, not really. Those are all the blessings that God wanted to give you while you were on earth, but things which you never received. A sad look came over Mr. Looked in the box to Peter and then back in the box. Why? Why did I miss out on all of these good things? Well, that's a long story, says Peter. Now let's talk about blessings for a minute. When we think about the blessings that God has given to us, often we think about the physical, material ones that He's given to us. Things like, God has blessed me with a great job, or God has blessed me with an amazing family. Or my grandkids are a blessing. Now all of these things are blessings from God, but how often do we think about the spiritual blessings that He's given to us? We often hear the term, count your blessings. But how often do we really stop and think about what those blessings really are? This morning we're going to be counting some of the blessings that God has given to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to try to unpack some of the seemingly spiritual blessings that He has given to us. Some of the blessings we'll be counting today um, are that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Second, He has blessed us with adoption. Third, He has blessed us with forgiveness through faith. And lastly, He has blessed us with guaranteed acceptance into heaven through the Holy Spirit. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 as I open in prayer? If you don't have a Bible, it's on page 1241 of the Blue Pew Bible. Dear Lord, I thank You so much for this, this morning. Uh, I thank You for this opportunity that I have to, to bring Your Word to the people of God. Um, Lord, please bless this time as we open up Ephesians and try to unpack some of the blessings that You have given to us, to those who have put our faith in God. Lord, please bless this time this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in heaven and things on earth. I'm a sound guy, so I know. There, we get problems. It's okay. This one good? All right. We'll pick it back up in, in uh, verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now, the book of Ephesians is a little different than most of the books of the Apostle Paul. Ordinarily, Paul would be writing letters to the church to rebuke or correct the church for problems that they were having. The church at Ephesus was a little different. See, Paul spent a great deal of time at the church in Ephesus, and he, spent, uh, he sent many good, godly leaders to help lead the church along. Because of this, there really was not a whole lot to correct the church on. So instead, the book of Ephesians was written was written mainly to encourage the church at Ephesus. Because of this, Ephesians is a very good book to go to to know what areas of our lives we should be focusing on. For my first point this morning, I want to talk about something that seems self-explanatory but complicated when we dig into it. That is that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now this is a blessing that God has given to all who believe in Him. That's God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. When Paul says that God gives us every spiritual blessing, that sounds like a lot that he bestows upon us. But if you remember our story, Mr. Jones had many blessings that he never took advantage of while here on earth. God offers to give us every spiritual blessing. He's holding out his hands saying, here, take these. I want to bestow these upon you. But ultimately, it's up to us whether we choose to accept them or not. Whether we allow God to bless us. Our relationship with God is not just a one-way street where He um, gives us things and we just go on our merry way. Our relationship with God is a two-way street. Please turn with me to John 15 and we will read verses 1-8. through 8. John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that, bear, that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
You are the branches. Whoever abides in Me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in Me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be My disciples. From this we find the analogy of the vine and the branches. We have to be in tune with God, cooperating with God. If we want nothing to do with God, we will get no sustenance and fall off the branch and be burned. Our relationship with God can be as full or as empty as we want them to be. Have you ever seen two trees next to each other? One can be plush and full of fruit, and the other can be lacking and sickly looking. Now these two trees have access to the exact same soil and the exact same nutrients. The Christian life is very similar. God gives us access to all of the blessings and all of the love that He has to offer. It's just a matter of how much we want to take advantage of and access. We can often see this in Christians around us and in our own lives as well. You will see times of... of um, if you were to view their branch, you will see times of a rather rich fruit and times of a rather sickly-looking branch. If we want to be that full, beautiful branch all the time, we must continue to access more and more of the spiritual blessings that God has given us. To do that, we must be in constant fellowship with God, praying to Him, reading His Word to know the promises and blessings that He has to offer for us. So what are some of these every spiritual blessings? That brings us to our second point. God has blessed us with predestination through adoption. God has blessed us with predestination through adoption. Now again, this is another blessing that God has already given to you if you are saved in Him. In verse 5, Paul writes, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Now predestination is a pretty big concept. I am not a theologian and this is only my first sermon. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't want to dig all that far into it. But I'm going to give a very basic definition so that we can unpack our sermon this morning. Predestination is the doctrine that God, in consequence of His foreknowledge of all events, infallibly guides those who are destined for salvation. So God knows from the beginning of time who is going to heaven and who is going to hell. Before we move on, I want to clear something up. Some people get hung up on the issue of predestination and how that corresponds with how they share the gospel. They think to themselves, what's the point of witnessing if God already knows who is going to be saved and who's not? Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 19-20, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is a pretty literal commandment to go. But since we are talking about basics, I want to share with you one of the most basic ways possible that we can uh, share Jesus Christ. Simply by us living out our Christian lives is reason enough for people to want to know more about God. 
Think of it this way. Everyone has their dream car, right? If you finally got that car you've been dreaming of since you were in high school, your life would change. You'd show it off. You would tell people about it. Everyone you know would know, you would make sure that everyone you knew knew you had this car. Our relationship with God shouldn't be any different. We should be so excited about our relationship with God that it totally changes our lives and the people around us can't help but see Christ in us. In the text, he refers to predestination unto adoption. The word adoption is a much more well-known word. To be adopted is to take by choice into a relationship or accept something or someone foreign to one's nature. Humans have a sin nature. God's nature is perfect. God loves us so much that He is willing to look past our sin nature, open up His arms, and welcome us into His family. There are basically two outcomes of an adoption. The child can be stubborn and unaccepting of their new family, often being angry or resentful. Still taking the name of who adopted them, but in this scenario, they don't fully experience everything it means to be adopted. Or they can fully embrace their new family, taking advantage of all of the blessings and all of the benefits offered to them. And it's a happy situation. Some people want to be a part of God's family, but they treat it like more of a foster care. They want to experience all of the blessings and all of the benefits of being one of God's children, but they don't want the commitment. They want everything that comes with Christianity, but are unwilling to accept what Christianity is all about. The joy of the intimacy and security of fully embracing their new Heavenly Father. Of leaning in to know more and more about Him. And seeking to be more and more like Him. If you're a parent, you probably have dreams and goals for your kids. Let's say you want your child to become a business executive. You can do everything in your power and give your child all the learning and all the tools they need to become a business executive, but ultimately it's up to the child as to what they want to become. God loves us. He gives us everything we need to, to live a happy and full life. He blesses us with the option of adoption. It's up to us whether... We want to be a part of God's family and partake in all of the rich blessings that He has to offer. Are we going to be grateful children who want to please our Heavenly Father? Or are we going to be selfish, rejecting God's promises, and live the way the world wants us to live? Now once we are adopted, we're so excited, aren't we? It's the best thing that's ever happened to us. We want to make sure everyone knows that we are now a child of God. We want to tell people about God and all of the blessings that He's given to us. But then what happens? Does that excitement wear out? Do we take for granted the things that God has done for us? We need to constantly be reminding ourselves of how great it is to be a part of God's family. We need to remember the life that God has rescued us from. So what are some of the benefits of being adopted into God's family? One is that God is a good and loving Father, there to give us good guidance to help us navigate through life, 
but also there to rebuke us when we need it. A loving father whose child is hurting wouldn't just let them suffer. God cares for us. He has compassion on us. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord has compassion to those who fear him. Matthew 7, 9 through 11 says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God loves us. He wants the best for us. We just need to ask him. Another benefit of being adopted into God's family is that we have the ability to relate to other believers as a family. 1 Timothy 5, 1-2 says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. Christians have a very special and unique gift. We are all one family. We love as a family. We serve as a family. We worship as a family. And we take care of each other better than some families would. Now this is an encouragement, but also a challenge. I've heard many times of just how unloving some Christians can be. They ask themselves, why would I want to be a part of something that doesn't love me? We need to be careful not to be unloving and scare people off who are new to God. Now, I don't see this problem here at Calvary. It's so encouraging to know that everyone here is so friendly and loving. I feel like I could go to anyone here with a problem and you would help me through it in a godly and loving way. The people here at Calvary love each other better than some families do. Another blessing of being adopted by God is that we have the best role model to look up to. As a young boy aspires to be like his father when he grows up, we too should look to our Heavenly Father and strive to be like Him. I know a lot of times we can get complacent and don't necessarily aspire to be like God. And we oftentimes just go through the motions of our everyday Christian walk. But we have the most amazing role model to look up to. All throughout the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament, we can see the amazing character of God. How He loves, how He rebukes, how He cares for His children. Again, we need to open God's Word and study it to know what kind of Father God is and how we can apply that to our lives to become better Christians. So you might ask, how do I become adopted into the family of God? That brings us to our third point. God has blessed us with redemption and forgiveness through our faith in Christ. God has blessed us with redemption and forgiveness through our faith in Christ. Verse 7 of Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So there's another dictionary word for this morning. Redemption. The definition of the word redemption is serving to offset or compensate for a defect. Humans by nature are defective. We are born with something inherently wrong with us. The definition of the word defect is an imperfection that impairs worth. When we come into this world, we are literally unworthy. We cannot complete our mission for existing on this earth because we have a major flaw. 
We are sinners. And there is only one key that will unlock our ability to carry out our mission on earth. Many people think that this key is wealth or fame. And they can work their whole lives and still feel like they are empty and haven't accomplished what they were called to do. That, again, is where human nature comes in. We always try to do it on our own. I know, I, I know I'll do this. There will be times where I'm working under a car with my right foot trying to support something, my left hand is trying to support the other end, and my right hand is trying to loosen a clamp. And I know that when that clamp comes loose, the whole thing is going to come crashing down on top of me. And someone can just walk by and stand there watching me struggle and ask, hey, do you need any help? And I say, nah, I got this. I got this. What am I, nuts? I have the ability to make my life easier, to get the job done quickly, cleanly, and efficiently. And I refuse their help because of my pride. Far too often we go about this life on our own. And God is just standing there, holding the key to our lives. And we just shake our heads and say, no, I got this. You see, we think we can get through this life on our own. And if we continue to do this, we are headed on a path straight to hell. But once we decide, I don't got this, and turn to God, allowing Him to help us, that's where redemption comes into play. God is willing to take our broken, unworthy, defective lives and add that piece that's missing. You know when you're working on a puzzle, you come to the sky. Everyone knows that the hardest part of a puzzle is when all the pieces are the same color. You can try all of the other blue sky pieces to fit into this one hole. Twisting them, turning them, jamming them into place, but none of them fully fill that void. Then you come to the, then you find the one piece. It slides right into place, filling all the cracks. And you think to yourself, wow, if I had just found this solution earlier, my life would have been so much easier. Often as humans, we try to fill our lives with things and we think, okay, this is the one. This is going to do it. We try so hard to make it work, only to, be, um, to find out in the end that all our efforts were futile. God offers us redemption. He wants to compensate for our defect. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Jesus Christ died for our sins because He wants to make perfect our imperfection. Now this sounds awesome, but we can't just say, okay God, perfect me. It doesn't work like that. We need to fully believe in Him, repenting of our old ways. We need to be convinced that Jesus Christ is the only one that can fix our defective human nature. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Once we believe this crucial step that Jesus died for our sins and is willing to redeem us, then God will take our broken, lacking lives and view us as whole, perfect individuals forgiving us of our sins and viewing us as a clean slate. 
Hebrews 9, verse 15 says, Therefore, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions and committed from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Once we are redeemed, we become adopted into God's family. We will never be kicked out of God's family or become unredeemed. But that doesn't mean we will never struggle with our sinful human nature again. Thankfully, when we are redeemed, God allows someone to enter into us to help us along the way. Which brings us to our fourth point. God has blessed us with the Holy Spirit who gives us a guaranteed entrance into heaven. Now again, this is a blessing that saved believers have already. Anyone who is in Christ is going to be where Christ is. God has blessed us with the Holy Spirit who gives us a guaranteed entrance into heaven. Now let's go ahead and reread verses 9-14 through 14 of Ephesians 1. It says in verse 9, "...making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. When Paul refers to the mystery of His will in verse 9, that doesn't mean that God is trying to keep a secret from us. In the church age, after Jesus Christ's death on the cross, God is doing something new. In the Old Testament God's Spirit only dwelled in a select few saints. And that was only for a season. One example is, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul, but because of disobedience, it departed him just as quick. In the church age, God, God makes a promise. A promise that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, one-third of the Trinity permanently resides in you and me. Once we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit helps us overcome besetting sins. He also helps us produce spiritual fruit that we could never manufacture on our own. But our passage today speaks of the Holy Spirit's sealing ministry to all those who put their faith in Christ. In the ancient world, a seal was a way to know where a document or a decree came from. A seal was basically a stamp that had engraved on it the negative of the final product. They would take this stamp and press it into wax or some soft material and leave the impression of the seal. Almost everyone back then had their own seal. Poor folks would have a very crude wooden or clay seal, and the more affluent the person became, the more ornate the seals were. Rulers often had the most beautiful seals made out of ivory or precious metals with ornate engravings on them. Everyone knew the seal of the ruler, which was why when a decree went out, the people knew it was of great importance. 
The Holy Spirit is God's seal. When God stamps us with the Holy Spirit, it's a sign that we are taken. We are special because the Most High God has put His seal of approval on us. This means that we need to be especially careful of how we live our lives because others around us will know that we are God's and we need to proudly display God's seal of approval. Like I said earlier, the very fact that we are Christians should mean that we are different than the world in the way that we act. With the Holy Spirit inside of us, the people around us should see that there is something different. If people aren't seeing a difference, you need to open up the Bible and look at the role model of Jesus Christ and compare our lives to how He lived and strive to be more and more like Him each day. Now the seal of the Holy Spirit also grants us access into heaven. With God's seal on us, we are His, and only His children make it to heaven. If you believe in Christ, if you have repented of your sins and asked Jesus to cleanse you, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then all of the, all of the blessings that I've talked about today are already yours. I want to encourage you this week to prayerfully ponder and reverently wonder at the lavish gifts that God has blessed us with. Spend some time praising God for every spiritual blessing you are now possessing because of what Christ did for us. Praise Him for predestination, how He patiently wooed, called, and drew you to Himself, even though at times we were reluctant and unwilling. Praise Him for adoption, that we are openly and eagerly received into the family of God. That we are irrevocably part of God's family now and forever. That by grace, through faith alone, we are now children of God and co-heirs with Jesus. Praise God for His forgiveness. Not just that He forgave us of our sins before we met Jesus, but praise God for all of the forgiveness we have received since we came to Jesus. And even, now we, even though we now know better than to sin, when we confess our sins, God still forgives us and puts our wicked deeds out of His sight. He looks at us and sees the righteousness of Jesus imputed on us and not the brokenness of our sin. Praise God for His redemption of us. His willingness to buy us back to release us from our slavery to our sinful human nature. That we might be objects of His glory instead of wallow in our own iniquity. Lastly, take some time to thank the Father for sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. To guarantee our entrance into heaven. To guide us to all truth. To help us understand the Scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired for us. Thank Him for the fruit of the Spirit that we are starting to see more and more of as we, as we surrender our lives to His will. Thank Him that over time, these fruits are becoming more and more prevalent in our lives. The fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you're here today and you're saying to yourself, I have not been adopted into God's family. I have never asked Jesus into my heart to redeem me. I want these blessings. How do I receive them? 
The very next chapter of Ephesians tells us that we receive these gifts by faith. These gifts are not earned. They are received. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 1 Peter 3.18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the Spirit. If you would like to receive Jesus, if you believe that Jesus lived sinlessly, died substitutionally, and rose victoriously, if you want to make Him your Lord and Savior eternally, then you can pray with me right now in the quietness of your heart. Let's go to God. Father, forgive me, for I am a sinner, and I need a Savior. I now know that that Savior is Jesus. He died to redeem me. Please forgive me and save me. Adopt me and shape me. Make me into the person who brings you glory and my neighbor much good. Give me a holy boldness in my witness for Jesus. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.